Oh, what a great start already, lapping into the intro. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Funhouse is Real Estate. I'm always trying to figure out that F word at the last minute here. Um, it's Nathan Graham uh, and Stevie Susie. Ah, two days in a row I got that right. We got this. Um, hey, thank you very much for tuning in. I always forget to do this part. If you actually like what you see, please hit the like button. Oh, wait, oh, wait, sorry. How do the influencers do it? Sm smash that like button. That's how we do it. I would have just said like and share. <laughs> yeah, like, share, subscribe, please. Um, well, let's get this out here. Uh, this is the podcast where we're going to help. Uh, we're starting off with newer agents, but we're eventually going to be going into how to grow teams and the whole process. Um, we just find that right now there's a whole lot of questions around new agents and uh, what to do next. Would you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of recapping, we talked about uh, what to look for in a brokerage. We talked about the differences of teams and everything else. And today we are going to talk about the best part of this lead generation um, and well, and actually databases. We're going to start off with databases, but. Yeah. yeah. And this is something, um, you know, again, this is going to be a lot of valuable information for brand new realtors, but also for any realtors who are already in the business. One thing I can tell you that we know is that realtors throughout their, their entire career, lead generation is the one thing that I think mm -hmm. most of us struggle with. And it's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, we're going to dive into what that looks like today. Yep. And by the way, this one thing, um, it sounds in the end, it's actually going to be simplistic. We'll talk about some numbers, different types of uh, of lead generation, but this will make or break your business. Um, yeah, that that uh, what is it? One out of five make it in real estate. Is Something that, is like that? that yeah. yeah. This is it. If you ask for the secret to real estate, this conversation we're about to have today is it. Yeah, so much so that like I can confidently say, guys, that you are not in the business of selling houses. No. You're not, that's actually not your job. You are in the lead generation business. Being able to sell houses is just a perk to what we do realistically, because if you do not lead generate, you do not have clients. Therefore you do not have houses to list or bring mm -hmm. buyers to or whatever. You are in the lead generation business. You are not in the home sales business. Exactly. And let's even go one step farther than that. If you do not have a database and you're not properly working all your past clients and feeding that database, then you are as only as successful as your last open house or your last cold call um, or your last deal that you just did. And, and our goal, one of our goals is please do not let your last sale, like if, if you stop selling today, you stop making money that that is not a life of freedom that's actually a, a life more of um prison and slavery and just yeah you do not want to be a slave to the job so yeah and that's and that's one thing that we'll we'll touch on and getting into why um working your database and building a big database which is really your lifeline in business and this all ties into lead generation but the reason why it's so important is because um you know just like nathan was saying like you know we sell houses, we make money, we sell houses, we make money. And it's, it's a hamster wheel, right? But often with lead generation, the thing with realtors is that we experience a lot of this in the industry, mm -hmm. right? That a lot of that. And a lot of that has to do with lead generation because the business that you do, or not even the business, sorry, the work that you put in today shows up in your business three to six months from now. That mm -hmm. is a rule of thumb. It is a rule to live by. So if you look at your business right now and nothing is going on, it's because three to six months um, you know, earlier, you weren't doing the work. You weren't doing the lead gen. Yeah. You weren't getting the new leads, whatever it is. And so this is why people's business goes like this so much because people, realtors tend to do this thing where 
they get all this business, they feel like things are going well and they go, oh, okay, I can chill for a minute. Like I got mm -hmm. some paychecks coming in. I got some closings coming in and they take their foot off the pedal. Yeah. When you take your foot off the pedal, you take your foot off the gas, your business slows down and you see it three to six months. Um, I, I, I'm laughing right now because it's exactly that. It's like, oh my goodness, lead generation sucks. And I'm not going to lie to you. I hate it, but you have to do it. Uh, but they're like, lead generation sucks. So you finally start getting clients in car and you're doing all the fun things for real estate. We're showing homes, we're negotiating. And so, and we're about to make money. So why am I going to lead generate? What makes sense in that? Um, and, and I want to talk about that wave too. That wave, when you're on that upswing, by the way, your mindset is awesome. You're like, oh, my, I'm unstoppable. You have leads coming in. You're out showing homes. You're negotiating deals. You win some, you lose some, but you're just feeling this so active part of your business. And when you take your foot off the gas and you start going that down that down slope, that's when this thing called doubt starts to fit in as well. And you think, Am I in the right business? Am I doing the right things? Where's my next foot? I've been in the industry for 12 years. I will tell you this. There are still times that I take my foot off the pedal a little bit. And I would say only about seven, eight months ago, I sat thought to myself, man, am I ever actually going to write another offer again? You, you actually question uh, things that go on. And so when you stop lead generating, this is what enters your mind. And that's why people find it hard to fight through. Yeah. So. And I, and I can tell you guys, I went through this for the first two years of my business. People always ask me like, when did I become successful or when did I feel like, you know, things I guess had gone, gotten more consistent or whatever it is. I can tell you for me, it wasn't really until year three. Don't get me wrong. I did business in the first two years and whatnot, but I didn't feel like my business actually got like consistent and, um, mm -hmm just, you know, better and like actually hitting my goals and stuff until year three, my first two years, I very much went through that roller coaster of taking my foot off the pedal, then getting busy, taking my foot off the pedal, getting busy and constantly going through those waves of emotion and high highs and really low lows. And like, I remember I so many times I thought about quitting. I thought like, it's just not, you know, I just can't do it. Like it, you know, the exactly that the low yep. lows is basically like all of a sudden Georgian college or York university is now a tab on my bar. Yeah. Just in case I'm looking at a career shift. <laughs> well, that was it. actually, sorry, just side note on this. I'll be quick, but that was the thing for me. Like uh, just a little like story about me is real estate was actually my first career choice. So I did not go to college or university for anything other than real estate. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's one of the things that kept me going was one, when I literally started like at the lowest points and just felt like, what the heck am I doing? I can't do this. When I started thinking the idea of just having to tell someone that I quit and got out of real estate was like too much yeah. for me to bear. I just could not like, I'm, that's not who I am. So that was an embarrassment enough for me to be like, no, I'm not going to quit. But two, I also thought, what the heck else am I going to do? Like I didn't go to school for anything. I literally have no backup option. So I have no choice, but to either succeed and, and make something out of this or like I'm screwed basically. Cause yeah. that's it. So. Either do real estate or learn how to say, do you want fries with that? Yeah. Very quickly. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, before we dive into the lead generation part, let's talk about databases. Um, your database is your lifeblood. Now, when we talk about database, all a database really is, is a list of names, numbers, people you've connected with. Contact info. Contact info. Um, we, back in, uh, before my time, people used to use uh, sticky notes. Um, I met a guy whose whole database was literally hundreds of sticky notes around his office that just had name, numbers, and email. Or oh, it wasn't emails, it was addresses at the time. Rolodexes. I've heard about these crazy things in museums called Rolodexes. And I really hope a senior realtor is laughing at that joke. Um, that Those are what databases are. Now they've enhanced. So depending on what board you're with, uh, I know, for example, does, does Trent do a uh, top producer through it? 
Um, I don't know. We have to, I, okay. I've used Hubbard. I don't know if Trev does it through it though. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So some, sometimes some boards, like I know the, the, the Durham board actually has a discount for all their members on top producer. Um, top producer is kind of the go-to, I would say, if, if you're with a company that isn't providing a, a database, mm -hmm. top producer is good. Yeah. Gets all your contact info. It's going to allow you to put in tasks. It's going to allow you to put in um, reminders, uh, birthday reminders, everything else like that, as well as it's going to have smart campaigns. So uh, on the spot, do you guys do a 33 touch? Yep. Okay. So very quickly, I'll explain what 33 touch is, and then I'll let Steve explain what hers is. So a 33 touch, we're in a contact sport. Is every single person in your database, you want to contact 33 times or more in a year. And I would actually highly recommend more. Now, this does sound like a lot. No, you're not calling uh, 2,000 people every single day. Uh, that's not exactly what we mean. We mean we calls, postcards, client events, newsletters, emails. These are all a part of a touch program. And the numbers, the way they fall are roughly one out of every 10 people in your database on a 33 touch will do business for you. So if you want to do one deal a year, you have 10 people in your database. If you want to do 10 deals a year, you have 100 people in your database. You want to do 100 deals a year, you have 1,000 people in your database, so on and so forth on a proper touch. Um, but explain to me, what, what's your 33 touch? What are some things that you're doing for clients. Yeah. So ours is uh, like just literally just like what you explained. It's a mix between like emails, uh, phone calls. So that's one thing I will say is we we're very heavy on, you know, follow-up calls. However, if you have a, a really solid, um, 33 or 30, whatever touch program, you actually can end up only calling them a few times a year, as opposed to like all the time, because mm -hmm. you're hitting them in so many other ways. Right. So yeah, for us, it's usually like an email campaign. Uh, we have actual physical flyers that go out to them in the mail. Um, follow-up calls, as I mentioned, even some of our um, 33 touches, depending on who it is and how we got the lead, sometimes even have social media follow-ups. Like if that's the way we originally connected with them, um, sometimes it'll be a social media reach out or whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's things like if you have a, um, an event, for example, that your um, real estate brokerage or company or team or yourself runs annually every single year, part of your 33 touch campaign can be invites to that. It can be, you know, that sort of stuff, right? So um, Christmas calls, holiday calls, all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And so if you notice all these things kind of get a little more personal, um, I do always recommend asking for referrals. Um, I read something very interesting the other day, though, that if your clients are not on a proper touch program, especially your past clients, then all they were to you was a sale and a paycheck. And that's it. Mm -hmm. If you notice, some of these phone calls are just touching base. I know when uh, COVID first started, a lot of my calls were just, hey, um, I'm thinking about you. Do you need any help? Do you need us to drop off groceries? What's going on? I know around Christmas or uh, I'm going to back up around um, Valentine's Day. We just drop off a little gift around Valentine's Day. Uh, I think we did hot chocolate bombs nice. for, um, uh, for a lot of people in our database. These are not always sales calls. It's not like I'm calling them saying, hey, Stevie, it's uh, Nathan, your previous realtor. Uh, do you have a referral for me? Mm -hmm. No, thanks. Bye. Like th that's kind of a sleazy way of doing it. Mm -hmm. You actually, hopefully, um, uh, all your clients pass the beer test where you're willing to go have a beer with them so you can actually converse with them and want to engage with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, guys, just so you understand, too, with when it comes to like, if you're, let's say you're a newer realtor and you're just building your database and you want to do some of this stuff, we, we understand it can get costly. Like for, for example, what Nathan was just talking about, how they did the mm -hmm. hot chocolate bomb for everyone on Valentine's day or whatever. It doesn't always mean 
you have to go and do that for every single person in your database. Cause one thing I will tell you, and, and I'll explain this a little bit more in a second, but some people in your database may not be people you've done business with yet, right? It can be mm -hmm. a lead that you're in contact with that you're hoping to get their business at some point in time. Um, and then there's going to be a mix of past clients, friends, families, stuff like that. You know, understand that when it comes to the beginning, when you're, you know, trying to keep costs low and that kind of stuff, sometimes there are certain clients you can pick to do that extra mile for mm -hmm. certain touches or whatever on a more personal level, because you actually have met them. You've actually done business with them. You actually have a personal relationship with them. Um, as opposed to going out and spending all that money on leads that you maybe haven't done business with yet or whatever, not to say you don't want to do stuff for them, but you know, we're just saying, we understand if you have a database yes. of a thousand people, it can be expensive to do, you know, certain things for every single person. It just might not make sense. Yeah. It, people just really, I think generally people just really want to know, like, want you to have that people want to know that you are thinking about them right mm -hmm. so like here's a very cost effective one uh, i was in the I, I don't want to brag i was in the beautiful city of saskatoon in the summertime um oh boy i was born there so i'm allowed to say that um anyways i was in saskatoon and, and i got this idea from a book called blue fishing by uh, steve sims i do recommend the read and um, for certain people that I wanted to connect with, I actually just took a napkin or the letterhead from the hotel that I was in and I wrote them a quick letter on that and mailed it out just to say, hey, I'm here on vacation visiting family. I was reading this morning and I just started thinking you became top of mind. I just wanted to see how you're doing. Or maybe there's a particular drink that that hotel that you're staying at uh, is serving that you only find there. You can ask for the recipe of that drink and send that out to your clients. And these are very cost effective ways to let you let them know you're thinking about them. Yeah. Right. Um, even at off time. Have you read Blue's Fishing yet? By no, the way? I, haven't. I highly I recommend it. I didn't even know it when you sent it the other day, but then I looked it up and realized what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend it. So. I, yeah. No, it's a fantastic book. So, uh, so there was definitely a lot of cost effective ways. Now, on, on the reverse side, here's why you also want to do it. Pretty much any brand, you can only remember two to three of on average. And the first one that you remember is, it massively outweighs the rest. So for example, most people can only remember two, maybe three realtors in their life, but the one that they remember most, they will bring up the most. Um, and, and just a little trial at home, because I happen to, I've done this trial in classes before, but for fun, uh, Stevie, just off the cusp, I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to respond. But like, Name a kind of pop. Coke. Coke. Okay. Coca so that's vast majority. Some people say Pepsi. Some people say Coke. But in Canada, and especially in Ontario, roughly 80% of the people say Coke. Okay. What's the type of ice cream? Ice cream. A Hagen Dazs. Hagen Dazs. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of ice cream. I sorry. I meant, I meant flavor. But... I, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, flavor. But I, I actually, like... no. But there you go. Type of ice cream. Hagen Dazs. And that's what you see at yeah. ball games and sporting yeah. events. Yeah. I would have said I probably would have said vanilla for flavor. Yeah, I know vanilla, that's very chocolate. vanilla, but it's just the first <laughs> one that comes to mind. It's not my favorite flavor, but the the the, the point is that you want to be that top of mind realtor. If you ask a client name a realtor the exact same way, you want it to be Stevie right out the gate, or you want it to be Nathan right out the gate. Um, and, and that's another reason why we do this is we're trying to stay top of mind for our clients. So when they are ready to make a move, they think of us. Yeah. And I want to just back up for a second here to just really, um, really just so you guys understand what a CRM is and what a database and all this kind of stuff is that we're talking about. As Nathan mentioned, a database essentially is just anywhere. It's contact info for people that you would get be in contact with potentially that you could get business from or have relationships with or get referrals from or whatever it is. Um, and that can be in many different ways. Some people keep a database in their phones. Yes. Some people have it in like Excel spreadsheets. Some people have it you know, just written on their computer, whatever it is. 
Nowadays, most people, especially most people who run like an effective, efficient business, it is stored in something called a CRM, which is what Nathan was talking about, you know, things like top producer. So um, just trying to remember what that stands for contact something management. I know. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, contact I can't remember the R. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's called a CRM. So <laughs> comment below if you guys know what it stands for. Um, but anyway, basically, so some some companies have their own, um, some they're, you know, People use them just across the board. Top producer is one of those. Um, and basically what that is, it is a place to store that contact information. So the database, however, it brings value to you by just like we were talking about setting up when you, so basically you come in as a realtor, you have, you know, you've done some lead generation, you've worked your sphere of influence, whatever it is, and you've created this database. You now go in every single day to your office, you can pull up the CRM and it'll give you a list of tasks that are due that day. And what that means is basically people who you should be calling, reaching out to, connecting with, so that all these people that you have connected with, past clients and stuff, they don't just get forgotten about, right? Because mm -hmm. it's hard, right? Like the more business we do, the more people we meet, the more, you know, life is busy. You, you, it's very easy to drop the ball and forget to ever speak to someone again, really, or, you know, reach out to them or whatever it is. So your CRM is there basically as your own personal assistant to keep you on top of reaching out to them every so often, remembering when it's their birthday, remembering it when it's their home anniversary, you know, the, the one year anniversary of the home that you sold them or whatever it is. Um, and then again, like other things like smart plans and that sort of stuff as well. But basically that is what it is. It's a place that stores all the contact information that basically acts as your personal assistant that tells you every single day who you should be talking to, who hasn't heard from you in a long time. And you know, that kind of stuff. So just so and, we're clear. Yeah, no, that, that's perfect. And we keep talking about top producer, but I do kind of want to mention a few other ones. Um, I, I used uh, the company I'm currently with right now has a built in database that I'm currently using. Um, having said that, I used to use Brian Buffini's database referral maker. I, it, it really fit with the type of lead generation that that my business would do. And that type of lead generation was built off building relationships. Um, I'm going to name drop a few and I don't necessarily mean like go research these yourselves, but like my website, for example, if you ever want to check it out, thathouseguy.com is done through agent locator. Agent locator actually has a really good backend CRM um, that gets linked in right with the online lead generation that we do. So that might be an option. And don't worry, Adel, I'll only be asking for a small discount for name dropping that to our 10 viewers. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, so that, so maybe there's a chance that like, if you're already running a, um, Agent Locator, you don't need to go buy Top Producer. It's, it's the exact same backend program. Uh, if you focus a lot around certain emails, now these are, are not typical CRMs, um, but like things like uh, MailChimp, for example, they're a great way to create good custom emails. Follow-up boss, there's another great CRM uh, I recently started learning about. So do your research, ask around the brokerage, figure out what works for that, and also the type of lead generation you do. And, and this is where I'll kind of ended on the CRM part, mm -hmm. is for example, the, the Brian Buffini model is all about referrals and relationships. So when you put people into their system, it actually, you rank them based off of how great of a relationship you have with them. As I said, for me, if they don't pass the beer test, I don't want to deal with them. I'm not going to follow up with them. Um, so I'll rank someone who I want to talk to very high and someone I don't very low. And it'll give me my call list for that day, um, for that part. The last part to that, I think I said that twice now, but either way, um, it also helps me set my goals. A great CRM, not all CRMs will do this, but a great CRM will also give you what your, your GCI goal, your GCI is your gross commission income goal, and then work through all your expenses with you will work through everything else, what your closing ratios are and tell you exactly how many people you need to contact every day to hit what that goal is. 
right? So a lot of CRMs will have that built in. And if that's how you want to operate your business, which I do recommend, look for a CRM that has that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, we'll wrap it up. So that's basically just so you guys know, because getting into lead generation and the conversations, we're going to be talking a lot about database and CRM and all that kind of stuff. So we just wanted to make sure, you know, we fully understand what we're talking about and what we mean by that. Um, but now we're going to dive into actual lead generation, how we what feed that, that means, database, what that looks like, right. And, and yet feeding that lifeline, which is, which is the database. And I, the one thing I want to start off with talking about, and again, this again is tying into, um, you know, going in the order of how we've sort of done these podcast episodes, we've talked about, you know, you've chosen your brokerage, you've decided whether you want to be on a team solo, whatever it is. Now you are actually a fully licensed realtor and you are ready to go out and start in the business and start making money and getting clients. Um, so again, I've mentioned this and I think almost every single podcast, but I'll say it again. There's a big disconnect in our schooling, right? We, we come out and we still are left feeling a little bit lost and like, what do I actually do? How do I actually make money? How do I actually get clients? So this is where lead generation comes in. Okay. And so just so you know, guys, what is lead generation? Lead generation is doing something that generates you potential real estate leads, right? Like potential people that might buy or sell or do a deal with you or transact with, uh, transact with you. Right. So I just want to quickly yeah. jump in for a second because I, there's two terms that you're going to hear a lot, leads and contacts. Mm -hmm. And these terms, there's no real definition in the, in, in the industry. When I first got into it, the way I thought a lead was, uh, it was different than the way someone else did and same with the contact. Mm -hmm. So if it's cool, I'm going to just, I'll define it this way. You let me know if it works yeah. for you. Yeah. So a lead is somebody who is actively wanting to um, do business in a set period of time, right? So for example, if I go door knocking and I say, hi, my name is uh, Nathan Graham from X and X brokerage. Um, I recently just sold a house around the corner. We have some buyers who are looking to come to the area. Are you thinking about selling? We want to get a jump on the market. And the guy says, or the lady says, yes, we are thinking about selling. You engage in that conversation. They give you permission to follow up. Maybe it's a six month, maybe it's a year, maybe it's right now, but that would be a lead. A contact is a little different. If I knock on that door and I say, hi, my name is Nathan Graham. They go, leave, boom, slam the door. I engaged in a conversation based around real estate even though the outcome wasn't favorable. That is what I would consider a contact. Would you agree? Yep. Okay. yep. I would say the only, the only difference I would say on that is um, like, yes, 100% a contact is you've made contact with a person. A lead is basically you've actually gotten their contact information to put in your database. I would say though a lead, I would not say it necessarily has to be a defined amount of time. Right. You know, yeah, like it, you want it to be, you want to kind of have a general gauge because you don't really necessarily want to be filling your database with leads that are like 10 years out because you've got a lot of follow-up time in between. That's just going to keep making your database messy. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll see here's an idea then. How about a lead we can define as somebody who is willing to engage in allowing you to become yeah. their realtor? Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. that, yeah, that has expressed interest in real estate at, at some And working point with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, so moving on from that. So basically, where do you start, right? Like there is, we, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure... If you tap into the real estate industry at all, you've heard things like door knocking, cold calling, you know, the classic cold school forms of lead generation. There's a lot of fear around these. We will definitely dive into these. But what I want to talk about of your actual starting point, because this is something that we we see really, really often. And I'm someone who's been, I've been a productivity coach. Um, I've been a new realtor myself. I've been a productivity coach. So I've really seen it in myself. And I've seen it when mentoring uh, brand new realtors. And that is... We often see 
realtors get caught up on all the wrong things, right? Mm -hmm. They spend too much time doing all the wrong things. And what I want to, I want to dive into this just a little bit, because it's something that I see very often. When you come out uh, of school and you're a licensed realtor and you're ready to go now, one thing that we often get really caught up on, and I'm not saying it's not important. However, it's not the most important thing. Branding, social media, all that kind of stuff. Realtors tend to get caught up on what I like to call the fun stuff, right? It's, it is, it's very fun to create your brand. It's fun to do all the marketing. It's fun. Like it is, it's enjoyable. I'm a huge social, social media person. So I get it. However, we focus so much on making sure that we have the perfect brand before we've even really actually established or created a brand for ourselves. Cause you've probably never even done a sale um, <laughs> that you don't put the time in to actually go and do the work and get the leads and get the business. So one thing I would say is that when you first come out of school and stuff, don't be so concerned about having to spend money on flyers and things like that. It's really not going to help you out in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Okay. So just want to touch on that really quick. The second thing I would say is the first thing that you want to do as soon as you get licensed, the first point of contact and where to start is called your sphere of influence. And what this means, what your sphere of influence is, is people that already know you, like you and trust you. And so one thing uh, people tend to think is that this is just your friends and your family. And it is your friends and your family are a big bulk of what your sphere of influence is. However, it is not limited to that. Your sphere of influence is your friends, friends, your friends, parents, your parents, Mm -hmm. friends. It's your barista that you get coffee from every morning. It's your hairdresser, your nail technician. If you're a parent and you drop your kid off at school, all the other parents that you have the opportunity to speak with that already know you, they see you, whatever it is, Um, sporting events, all that kind of stuff. Every single person that you speak to knows a ton of people that you don't know. They have a whole other database that you don't have, right? So your sphere of influence is so many people around you. And that's really what you want to dive in and work immediately. And what that means is letting them know off the hop, hey, I'm a realtor, right? (laughs) Reaching out to your sphere of influence and letting them know you are now a licensed realtor and you want their business. Um, So that's basically the main place I would say to start. Yeah. And let's... Okay, so uh, similarities to uh, CV, I used to teach new agents for about two and a half years. And so I'm going to tell you what a lot of people are thinking. But Stevie, I'm brand new. Why would they use me? Yeah. Did that? Yeah. yeah. Here's the reality. Number one, I don't know about you, but anytime one of my friends start a new business, I want to support them and I do support them. Um, I, there, there was a, a guy in the office who just started Japanese mooncakes in our area. And I'm like, these things are phenomenal. I, I never once questioned how new he was at it. I don't even know if he's a baker, uh, but I can tell you that this place, it's a new market, a, a Japanese mooncake. They're so good, right? Um, I want to support them. And your friends and your family and the people that you've been supporting, like your hairdressers, your baristas, they want to support you too, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, you are correct. You are new. Own your newness. Get partnered with a great brokerage or a great team and allow them to support you. It's not hard for me to say, Stevie, I fully understand that I'm new and that might have a little bit of a struggle to put some trust in me to sell your home. That is why I particularly um, partnered with ABC Brokerage or why I joined blah, blah, blah team. Because that way, while I am learning, you can make sure you have years of experience behind every single transaction. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. If I know someone who just gets into insurance and I'm their first sale and that's what they tell me, I will use them all day long, right? So I want you to have confidence in this idea about being new, own it, 
and then leverage the partnerships you have around you. Yeah. And one thing I would, I would add on that, um, the being new and something I experienced a lot in the beginning of my career is, um, especially if you are, let's just say, you know, new doesn't necessarily mean young, but let's just say you are, cause I know this is a common concern we get now. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, the real estate industry is getting younger. Um, often people get these limiting beliefs and they get in their own head about when not only are they a new realtor, but they are young, mm -hmm. right? You feel an added level of like, well, they're not going to take me seriously or whatever it is. Something I would point out to you guys though is, and, and I experienced it myself is there are a lot of people out there that have kids themselves that really are willing to take a chance on, mm -hmm. on the young guys, right? On the young people to help them and, and help them out and get their career going because they have kids too and they would want people to do the same for their children, right? If their children was just starting in the real estate industry and they were brand new and they wanted them to be successful and take off, they would really be, you know, hoping their friends and stuff would, would um, you know, take a chance on them as well. And so I had that a lot of, um, you know, quite a few times in the very beginning of my career, I would have people, even though I actually knew what I was doing and I felt like I always handled myself quite okay. well, people would still always say to me, you know, I like to give the young guys a chance. I like to yeah. give them an opportunity. And I love, and I appreciate that. Right. Because again, an, an industry like real estate, especially in certain areas, it can be, I'm not going to use the word oversaturated because that's not true, but it can be very dominated mm -hmm. by certain people and certain, especially people that of course have been in the business for years and years and years and years. Like they've been working that area for so much longer than you. So there are people that recognize that and say, Hey, I want to give the newcomer a chance. Yes. Right. So don't and, underestimate that. And, and there's, so I, I have agree on that. The thing though is it's on you and, and I cannot explain how important this is. I will give a chance on new people. Although if they're bumbling their listing presentation or they don't know their scripts or they don't sound confident or you have access or you're going to have access to market watch. If you don't know your market stats, if you don't know the comparables, these are all things that will stop me from taking that risk. And so when I talk about there are people who spend more time designing their business cards than actually learning the real estate market. Go preview five homes a day. You, Someone actually, I, I had a new agent surprised that we can do this. You can preview homes every single day. Get to know what the square footage is, what all this stuff looks like. You have time right now, go do it. The second part is objections never stop. And the reason why I'm saying it's on you is because if you're not confident when you're new, you're not gonna be confident when you're not new. Like, trust me, years do not change this. And here, here's an example of an opposing objection. Um, and I've had this before. Uh, Nathan, we'd love to use you, but are we even going to get personal time with you? Because I operate a team, right? People are worried they won't have my personal time. And to be honest with you, I'm dealing with multiple transactions. So they're not always there. One of the biggest aspects of being new, you don't have 10 clients. Uh, I actually had a new person. This was how confidently they said this. What, people like, the good thing about working with me is you're my only client. You get me all the time. And that's a lot of value to a client when they're making the largest transaction in their life in uncertainty to know that they have a dedicated realtor there. Yeah. And I also think too, one, one other angle that I've, I've used and, and um, I know a couple other of the younger guys in our office have used as well is that, you know what, as a brand new agent or, or a younger agent or whatever it may be, like you have something to prove, right? Like you mm -hmm. have something to prove as opposed to the superstar mega agent that's already doing like 150 transactions a year. So they just might get 
a little bit more hustle and grind from you to make you oh, know, they sure happen. will. Yeah, they sure will. Because it's exactly that. Like you need to make it happen and you have something to prove. So really just going in with the right mindset. Um, one other thing I will say just on a little bit of a mindset thing here. Um, and, and this is something I learned maybe my second or end of my first year in my fiance said to me, because my fiance is also a realtor. And it really did change my perspective of like the way I think of this stuff. So sometimes when I would be going into a listing appointment that I was maybe a little bit nervous for, or if I was going up against competition or whatever it is, I started before I would go into that, um, that listing interview, I would sit there and I would just say to myself, these people would be lucky to get to work mm -hmm. with me. And the reason I would say that is because at the end of the day, there is a lot of really bad realtors out there, right? And, and they give us all a bad rap and whatnot. And you know, you're good. You know, you were going to work your butt off for them and you know, you're going to do a good job. So you don't want them to get stuck with a bad realtor. They would be lucky to get to work with you. And going in with that mindset really will um, change how you show up for sure. And yeah, I'm so happy you said that because before we actually dive into other types of real estate or uh, lead generation, there's so much truth behind that. Your top service, if you do a great job at your job, you can give no better service than getting in front of somebody so they don't make a bad choice. I used to lead generate to strangers because if I don't try to introduce myself to them, then it's kind of my fault that they got stuck with a bad realtor. And, and I don't, as, as CB said, there's some great realtors out there, but there are some horrendous realtors that just want to care about a transaction. They, they don't care about you as a person. They're just in and out, in and out, in and out. That works for their business. I don't want to judge that business model because that works for some clients and that works for some people's business. It's just not what I choose to be, right? So... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to judge that all yeah, day long. Yeah, you can judge that all day long. I'm going to judge yeah. that all day long. If, you're, if you, <laughs> there are, again, I'm not, you know, naming names or anything like that. There are realtors out there that unfortunately give us all a bad yes. rap, right? So whether it is a lack of care, just like Nathan's saying, where it's just, you know, strictly transactional or whether it's, they just simply don't know what they're doing or they don't have their client's best interest at heart, that's an issue and it makes us all look bad. Yeah. So not here for it, but Fair yeah, enough. I, I like it. it. No, no, that's all good. Um, okay. So when we come to lead generation, so that sphere is so important. You always, always start with your sphere. Um, th there's business there. Learn your scripts, learn your stats, become a professional there. Now, as we kind of go into the next two, next kind of lead generations, we've always talked a little bit about the three pillars of lead generation. You always pick three ways to build up your lead gen. Now, not all lead generation is equal. Um, I see a lot of people, oh, by the way, back to contacts, sending a text message to your sphere is not a contact. It must be a two-way conversation. Um, anyways, I see a lot of people, they want to, again, want to do the fun things like, oh, I'm going to get um, all my leads on, um, people that's going to fill out forms on my website or on Facebook or uh, my personal one, I shoot billiards, I shoot pool. I'm going to go do that all the time and that's going to generate a business. Those are building blocks, right? So they're not going to feed your database right away. What you really want to find when you're brand new are ways to feed your database right away. Sphere, right away. Cold calling, door knocking, open houses. These things can change your entire business overnight. One open house with a good turnout can all of a sudden give you two to three deals right away. That is not going to happen until in a pool group, um, in a pool league where you have to build up trust among everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, also too, one thing to say is that at the end of the day, you know, we just spent a while talking about, you know, mindset and just things you should be doing and whatnot. And, and it's all true. And it really will help you, especially as a new agent who maybe doesn't have that confidence yet or whatever. However, 
one thing I can tell you is at the end of the day, and Nathan's mentioned this a couple of times, lead gen, the real estate business, all of it, it is a numbers game. So at the end of the day, you know, even those bad realtors that we've mentioned a few times can have massive businesses because they're willing to at least just go out and do the lead gen and do the work and stay consistent and keep doing it. Yes. Right. So whatever you choose to do, whatever, whatever your form of lead gen, like you end up, you know, wanting to do or whatever it is, staying consistent at it and doing it at a high level, hitting big numbers is what's really going to fuel, um, your business. And and what I mean by that is you can have a realtor out there that maybe is a way better realtor than you like by the book. Maybe they've been in it a lot longer. They have a lot more experience, whatever. But if they are not out there actively lead genning every single day and hitting their numbers and doing that, you could easily get so much of the business that potentially mm -hmm. could have been theirs. You know what I mean? So like it is a numbers game. Just go out there and do the work. And as far as those numbers go, because I like numbers, um, this is my first year. If you're to set a goal, this is the goals I would set for lead generation. 20 contacts a day will give you 100 contacts a week, which will convert to seven to eight leads. So if you door knock every single day, and then that'll take you roughly two to three hours a day. If you door knock every single day until you forget how many doors, until you achieve 20 contacts. And again, a contact can be a no. You get 100 of those contacts, seven to eight will say yes. Okay, that is the raw numbers proven over now inevitably someone's going to turn around and do this. Well, but I tried cold calling last week and I didn't get a single lead. It's an averaged out. It's averaged over six months. If you're going to pick a form of lead generation, do it consistently for mm -hmm. six months, then look back before you go ahead and change it. Yeah. Right. I've had quite a few people even say just on that exact note, I've, uh, I like tried door knocking and I just didn't have much success with it. And I'm like, well, how long did you try it for? And they're like, oh, like I went out a couple, like a couple yeah, times. I went on Tuesday. Or I went on one day or whatever. So I'm going to say something a little bit different here. So Nathan's like getting into the very like proven numbers. The way that I started my career and I built, and I will admit I'm very heavy on social media and stuff now, but I built my foundation of my career by door knocking. And the way that I always did it was 100 doors a day, four days a week. So I would do 400 doors from Monday to Thursday, 100 doors a day. And that should equal, again, it's an average, but it should equal. And what your goal is, is one lead every single day. So four leads a week. And the way that would work is sometimes I would go out and not get a single lead, but some days I would get two leads, right? Mm -hmm. Some weeks I wouldn't hit even four, but then some weeks I'd get like six leads. So it does vary. You'll have days where you will definitely put in the work and you won't see a single lead. It does right. happen. But then there will be days where you will get more than what you expected or whatever it is. So it works its way out. But um, but yeah, that's how I did it. So a hundred doors every single day, 400 doors a week, and you're trying to get four leads. And that was enough to really build a great foundation to start, um, a good business. And, yeah. And, and actually to that point, so I, I like the raw numbers and that's how Stevie does it. But if you catch one thing, it's a systemized plan that is consistent. It is always, it's not like Stevie was like, oh, Hey, look, it's raining a little bit. And so I think I'll just do doors tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, or, uh, oh, I got this <laughs> slight cough. And so I don't think I can make it out today. You do it consistently. Yeah. And that's how you create a rock star business. 100%. And yeah. on the note of that with even just uh, specifically with door knocking, one thing I will tell you guys is that most agents that do, a lot of agents don't do, don't door knock because 
it's uncomfortable. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't like it, right? It is what it is. Um, however, even the ones that do, most of them are something that we call fair weather door knockers, meaning they tend to door knock in the spring and the fall when it's like comfortable weather, sometimes in the summer before it gets too hot, uh, cause door knocking in the crazy heat can be uncomfortable too. And, and that's exactly it. So they go out maybe two times a year during, you know, the, the good times going out and doing it every single day, rain or shine, snowstorm, whatever, you have no idea how much people like respect that. And like, it's just, it'll change your entire business. I will say from a female perspective, I can, uh, I can sympathize. Cause I know for me in times of like snowstorms and rain there, it could be hard as a girl, like going up uh, to the door with mascara dripping down my face and whatever, <laughs> because then I kind of look like I'm coming to the door, like asking for help as opposed to looking to want to sell their house. So I can there, I will say there can be some weather barriers depending, but for the most part, you want to get out and try to hustle and suck it up no matter what, dress for the weather, hot, cold, whatever it is, dress for the weather, be prepared, dress comfortably, don't wear dumb shoes, don't try to look too professional so that like three doors and you're like, oh, my feet hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Dress for it, go out, do it. Don't be a baby about the cold, whatever, you know, and people will appreciate it. And make sure you know those scripts too. I love that, by the way, the mascara. I just, I don't know what I do if I, I would feel so bad for the person door knocking. <laughs> Anyways, the other thing too, yes, you want to be yourself, but know your scripts. Um, so the scripts are very simple. Your office if they have enough agents, have buyers that are constantly looking in all areas. And I'll, I'll tell you a great way to wrap it up, a great way to pick an area for door knocking. But everybody has buyers looking into it. So it's not that hard just to knock. We do not have enough inventory right now. So it's a great opportunity. Very quickly, just like, hi, my again, my name is Nathan from ABC Brokerage. Uh, we have buyers in our brokerage looking to buy specifically in this area. And we do not have enough inventory. So it's a great time to sell because we're getting more money for these homes than what we really should. So I'm just kind of curious, have you thought about selling in the next three to six months, right? It's a very simple script. Now, I also like to have a lot of fun when I'm door knocking and because that's just my personality. So I know that back end script. That's the important part. But a lot of times when someone answers the door, especially around dinner time, I'll be like, hi, my name is Nathan. I'm the guy who's like bothering you right during dinner. Are you having dinner right now or should I come back in a bit? Right. And I'll make jokes like that um, just to kind of lighten the mood. Yeah. Another quick thing, if you are going to do door knocking, and this is especially, I don't know if, if, if girl, actually, no, I think everybody should do this, but definitely with guys, after you knock on the door, take a step back away from the door, make sure there's enough room. I've known people who've door knocked who've actually stepped into the house to shake the hand, and that is just a really bad way to, yeah. to start something. There is some posture that you do want to practice when you are door knocking with them. Yeah, so. uh, that's a good one. Always step back. Yeah. And especially now since like, you know, with COVID and everything like that, you want to really give people their space. You know, you are going to their house. You are like, you know, going up to their mm-hmm. their kind of area. Um, exactly. I always knock or ring the doorbell and I take like a step or two back. So I'm a good distance. Once they answer the door, you know, you can kind of step up a little bit more, say hello, whatever, but definitely don't ever, you know, you don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable and whatnot. And yeah, and I will say there is that added level of like, you know, everyone does have ring doorbells and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're a big guy and you're standing at a door and it's like a single mom at home, you know, they're, they're, you know, people always are concerned about safety issues and whatnot. Um, so definitely just, yep. just give them their space. That's all. Give them their space and you'll get a better and response. As uh, a female door knocking an area, I don't know if you ever did this. Let your office know what areas you're door knocking and please do not go into random strangers' houses. Um, like Never. use a good sense of judgment there. 
Uh, here's uh, just as a fun side note, when I was door knocking, I would never do an appointment. Uh, this, this will happen both ways. So there's a safety and security, but you will often be asked, oh, do you want to come in and take a look at the house? Right. And obviously, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I really appreciate that. I actually have no prep work done for your specific house. So if I can just get the Coles notes of it, how about we do this? I'll go back to my office. I'll put together the comparables and I can come back either tonight at seven or tomorrow at such a time. Right. Um, don't. Yeah, be safe. <laughs> And be yeah. careful. Don't ever so. go in someone's house like that. And again, just like what you were saying on, on two fronts, one for the safety aspect, but two, yeah, you never, if, if you are willing to just give them the information on the spot, they won't call you back. There right. will be no value. They don't need to give you the contact information. They don't need to do any of that. Right. So one, you want to keep going. You don't want to spend too much time as much as in your mind. And I get it as a new realtor, you're like, oh my God, like here's a chance. No. Because not only are you now going to take so much more time away from your lead generation when you could be going and getting more leads, you're giving this person all the information and they're not, there's just no reason for them to call you back. If they are serious, they will actually set up an appointment with you to evaluate their home properly. So exactly. never do it on the spot. You can give like, you know, you can talk about recent sales in the area. Like you should know that stuff off your head, off the top of your head. Sorry. But um, yeah, never step in and do that like on the spot evaluation. No. And never answer a commission question on the spot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's actually very simple. I used to try to find all these ways around it. Now I don't. And someone's like, oh, well, before we invite you over, what's your commission? I'll just say, Mr. or Mrs. Potential Seller, let me be honest. You don't buy anything without seeing the value first. So I would rather explain to you my value before I tell you the cost behind it. And it's as simple as that, mm -hmm. right? Um, okay, because we're coming up to about that, well, we're actually at the 45 minute mark. Two very quick things. I know I talked about this in an earlier episode, but if you are looking for a place to cold call or door knock, townhomes have fantastic turnovers. Really, you want to take an area that, that has a 10% turnover rate a year. So if it has 100 homes, you want to see 10 sales, 300 homes, 30 sales, so on and so forth. And 25% of all new build developments usually sell within the first five years, 25% of the inventory, I mean will usually sell within the first five years. So these are two great places just to start out. Um, remember, townhomes too, here's the best part. They're often first time sellers. So they're as new to the process as you are, which does make the conversation a little bit easier. Yeah, the last thing I will say to just wrap it up on all of this, cause we, we, you know, as Nathan and I do, we're both talkers. We, we <laughs> tend to go down rabbit holes about things and whatever. But um, I just wanna quickly talk about, we talked a lot about um, door knocking and cold calling today, which again, for us, we're talking about them a lot because we know, even though they are considered the old school way, we know they're actually effective and, and that's mm -hmm. why, and that's why they're still around and that's why people use them. Um, so the one other thing I want to talk about though, is all the other forms of lead gen. So as I mentioned, as a new realtor, the thing you really want to do is work your sphere of influence to begin with. Okay. That's really important. Then you have the option of, you know, cold calling, door knocking, which we'll call the old school forms of lead generation. Then you have things like social media, which is also very, very powerful, but you have to do it purposefully. You have to do it at a high level. Um, you have to make sure you know what you're doing. It's not just a matter of posting on social media that you're a realtor. And then there is also the, uh, the other form of lead gen, which is just having a strong social game in general. Yes. And this is things like being in a billiards league, being in a poker league, being in a dart league. Um, you know, play hockey, soccer, whatever it is, men's league, whatever it is, your, um, you know, your kids uh, schooling events, like that kind of stuff, making sure that you make the effort to be a real social person and go to many social events, clubs, teams, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff to make connections with people to get business, right? So there's many different avenues of, of lead generation. Those are, I would say, the main ones yes. that you should focus on and, and consider. Be careful. Don't get caught in the internet lead trap 
anytime you spend money for something to replace work, it's going to be a lot less quality. I'm not saying internet leads are the worst in the world, but let's just engage in a conversation before you go blowing money on it. And with that point, if you look down in the description, you're going to see a Discord channel. It's a community that we're in the process of trying to create. It doesn't have a lot of members now, but we are going to have scripts. We're going to have these podcasts posted. I'm going to be constantly in there throughout my workday. So you can jump in a chat channel, ask questions. If you want to ask for a script, it's going to be a community base uh, for everybody. Yeah. So please, uh, we're, we're talking about a massive topic in about 50 minutes, just under an hour today. We could talk about this literally for eight hours uh, on a Discord channel. So please join the Discord channel. If you happen to have any questions, um, throw it in there. I'll keep sharing scripts. I have a few in there and yeah, make it work. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, I think, well, oh, actually, uh, the last thing, sorry, I'll say yeah. is when I talk about, when I, I think I'm a little bit different with this, when I talk about social media as lead generation, I actually personally don't mean like paid ads, like what you're yes, talking yeah. about, because I don't use that. But a, a lot of people will fit yeah. that route for sure. When I say social media, I mean like actually doing the work on social media to talk to people, make connections yourself organically, not just paid ads. Because yes, sometimes, or the, the people you have reaching out to you saying they're going to give you those leads and whatever, they're usually unqualified. I, I love what you said. They're a strong social game. Mm -hmm. um, I have never heard that before. And I'm going to be stealing that a lot mm -hmm. because that's the reality of what we do. You, you can, you can pay someone else to be social for you, but it will not build a strong business. We talk about social media, social media is that it's the exact same contact. You are following people's lives. You're caring about them. Mm -hmm. Fun side note, whenever there's a big event, I used to actually, uh, um, screenshot a big event someone posted on social media i'd get it printed onto a thank you card and then i would say hey i saw this on social media it looked absolutely fantastic and i want to say congratulations so i took that post printed it on a physical card wrote a physical handwritten letter and mailed it out directly to them it was just one of those things that blew them away that's the level we're talking about on social media yeah. so yeah. all right fantastic so please uh, join the Discord, ask questions. If you want us to answer anything, we'll be back next week. We are going to be doing an interview for a second podcast tomorrow with uh, the Danny Wood, um, who's been a, a real estate coach uh, in the industry for quite a while. And we're probably going to be talking about a lot of things like social media and all these little tips, tricks, and gadgets that you can use. Yeah. Until then, peace out. See you next time.